This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening to you and thanks for tuning in on this glorious Tuesday that is relatively overcast uh, with a bit of showery in some part of Johannesburg. Welcome aboard the Beyond Governance show and thanks for making us relevant on a daily basis. Uh, on this show, we try our most best to bring you deep analysis of critical issues facing the country, especially on the economic front. As we always do, last week we had an interesting and thought-provoking conversation with the with Dr. Sifisabala Falala, who is the CEO of Plus 94 Research, on the role of the market research as the strategic weapon which leaders must use as a base for their qualitative and quantitative decision-making process. I thought it was a, a very, very interesting conversation. If you missed it, not to worry. Simply go to our website and download the podcast at www.chai.com and, and share your views with us. Uh, talking of sharing of views, uh, please use our SMS line, which is 34519. The telegram is 61 895-1095 or of course um, drop me an email at nimrod at high at high As a norm it is proper uh, to acknowledge the foreigners on your for foreigners on your show. On that note let me thank Simon Bernstein, of course Dominic Majola uh, for a job well done uh, as a precursor for this wonderful show that you are listening to tonight. Uh, once again, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts, you know, for sharing your space and time with us as we continue to fight the enemies of development. Here I'm talking about inequalities, I'm talking about poverty, I'm talking about unemployment. Um, in my view, and of course that Africans concur with the fact that these three variables are certainly the biggest enemies of progress and development. But Moan might ask the question, who are the perpetrators of this environment? Uh, I'm sure the Zona Commission has revealed quite a lot in terms of forces or individuals who are looting epidemic, you know, in, in, in a more scaling way. Talking, talking of corruption, maladministration, weak capacity of states, highly politicized administration, appreciation of mediocre at the, at the highest level of government, so these are some of the glimpses that you have picked up from the Zona Commission. Our economic paralysis can partly be accounted by, uh, you know, some of the commissions that we of some commissions of inquiries that we've heard of known before. Hot on the heels of the previous commissions, firstly, is the commission of according to the impropriety regarding public investment corporation. Remember that the PSC. As you know, the, the commission was mandated to look into whether a director or employees of the public uh, in investment pro- uh, uh, corporation has made or misused the uh, positions for personal gains. Following that, we had another uh, inquiry um, into the fitness of Advocate Mwabojiba as well as Advocate Lawrence Mkwebi um, uh, to hold office. We know what, how that turned out. We also had a commission of inquiry into tax administration and governance by SARS back in 2018. We also had another commission of inquiry into allegation of state capture, which is currently underway on fraud and on, on fraud in terms of public, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, public and obviously including the organs of state. Earlier on, we had the Marikana Commission. We, earlier on, we had the Arms Commission. 
Why am I reflecting on these commissions that we have heard of, noted about in the past? The question might be, what is the common denominator on these? If you apply your mind critically, you will concur with me that the, the what comes to mind, firstly, in terms of common denominator on these uh, commissions is the absence of ethical and credible leadership and institutionalized culture of mediocrity. If you want to contest my claim observation, how do you explain the appointment of individuals in high position in public sector without without requisite skills and competencies? These are not just some observations. They are there factually. If you don't believe me, just look at the, the bodies of knowledge as displayed by the Auditor General report, either at the municipal level, government, um, provincial level, even at the national level. We have instances where uh, some of the provincial, some of the municipal, municipalities have had disclaimers almost in perpetuity. If you have a disclaimer, which means you don't know whether you're coming or coming, how do you have those people still in those positions? Anyway, in the words of the business leadership CEO, Busi Mabuso, the problem is lack of what she, what she referred to as original thinking and political courage to make radical changes to address unemployment in South Africa. Well, for me, sadly, um, you know, I concur with her very proposition. Sadly, in every speech by the president, let alone the narrative perpetuated by a ruling party, we hear the notion of radical economic transformation. Somehow, this, this rhetoric, in my view, fails to find expression in government policy, programmatic, and monitoring and evaluation discourse or, or, or actions that happens that, or that wouldn't fall on the street about what government is doing. My, my greatest discomfort as I listen to all in some, if you like, are people who take their kids to private school where their fridge is full of food and disposable income and, and who often, often live in the leafy suburbs, uh, and, and they always think there's tomorrow. You know, we know that the government is doing everything. We know the president is doing everything. I don't think so. The kind of agency that we see if, if, if you want to perpetuate that kind of a narrative, tell the person who has left on an empty stomach for days that there's still tomorrow. It cannot be. Most people have lost their dignity. They have lost their self-worth. Unemployment is rampant and poverty. So these are the relationships of South Africans. I mean, over the past six months, we've lost almost 2.2 million jobs. In the second quarter of the, of the, of, of 2020, of, of 2020. So clearly we, we've got a problem in our hands. The question is to what extent are people confident that their future, uh, in the current leadership is working tirelessly to make a difference? What is the point of slogging, uh, in air conditioned offices when you fail to make Ordinary folks feel that there's, it is worth, you know, looking into tomorrow. For most people, tomorrow is just deemed. Anyway, these are my thoughts. I know for the fact that government, labor, business, everybody is doing something.
but we have had so many plans in this country. In my previous conversation with the CEO of, of business, of Black Business Council, he said to me, in this country, if the crafting of plans was an Olympic status, we would be getting, you know, medals, uh, gold medals year in, year out. But so, so sadly, we're not in a position of, of, of continuing this narrative of great, of grand plans when we cannot, we, we can barely implement 10% of the plans that we've come up with, especially in a context of high unemployment, poverty and inequality that we're seeing. What, what is emerging out of recently is the fact that, I mean, trade unions in the country are expecting to, you know, down tools. We hear that, um, they will matching and, and, and all the services will be disrupted. We get it. What is the initial gripe? The answer is simple. It's corruption and unemployment. And it's quite upsetting. The fact that most of these, uh, are, you know, so-called fat cats, Barely pay attention to, you know, what, what really matters. But anyway, th- those are my views. Tonight, I'm joined by Hamid Mashaba, the former mayor of city of Johannesburg and now founding member of Action SA, uh, which boasts individuals. I mean, the formation of the new political party, you might have, you might have picked up over the couple of months, uh, or a couple of weeks, so to say. It, it boasts the, the individual, it boasts membership of individuals such as Michael Piemont, Funzela Ngobini, uh, Lerato Ngobini, David Tembe, Vivian Law, and of course among the, some of the known political heavyweights, we've got Feiji Mento, uh, John Moodley, and of course Mokosini Kosa. On that note, let me not waste time and bring in the founder and the, the I presume the head, if you like, of Action SA, Mr. Hemen Mashaba. Good evening, sir, and welcome to be, to Beyond Governance. Good evening, uh, Nimrod, and uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, inviting me and uh, actually listening to your opening remarks, quite profound, and uh, unfortunately that's a reality that you are facing as a country. So let's uh, get going and uh, see if we can unpack um, some of the issues that you've raised. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Herman, on that note. Perhaps maybe in, in, in just setting the scene on our base, on our conversation tonight, I mean, you, you get very perplexed and shocked by the current debt and a GDP, you know, uh, debt to GDP ratio. I mean, at this stage, we're currently seeing about 80%, you know, by the end of 2020 in terms of the debt to GDP. We are likely to have, uh, 100% by 2025. Which means, uh, that, you know, the, the, our loans, that will also be, I mean, for now, it's sitting at about two and a half trillion rands based on 2017, 18, uh, you know, uh, figures by the national treasury. This picture is quite grim and shocking to most people. Uh, and it, it should, should, it should really be making a lot of people, you know, sleepless nights or causing a lot of sleepless nights, um, for us to, to move, to take the country forward, uh, at the pace that is required because the country is definitely, in my view, the country is an ICU. The organs of, if, if you use the metaphor of an individual, uh, we are on some kind of life support, uh, and, and we, it, it cannot be to a country that is so well resourced. But perhaps maybe 
you know, uh, as I've laid down, uh, once again, Mr. Mashaba, thank you very much for joining us and uh, congratulations on what you have put forward as a possible alternative to South Africans. Uh, as I kick off the conversation, most people are aware that you've launched a new political party. Um, first question would be, what is the basis or what is the, you know, the ideological disposition of Action SA and how does it differ from other mainstream political parties, so to speak? No, thank you very much uh, for the question. As you are aware, when I uh, resigned from the DA and automatically now as the mayor of the city of Johannesburg, there was a massive outcry from South Africans uh, asking me to start my own political party. Obviously, I'm coming from the political field and also looking at how our political system was broken, politicians actually being in the business to save their political parties and save their stomachs. I think this matter was of grave concern to me that don't just really go and start a political party. So that's when I approached my family to really fund a project to start a second CODESA. We called it the People's Dialogue to engage South Africans uh, firstly to establish two, two things. Firstly was to see if uh, one starts a political party, do I have the support? And secondly, there were non-negotiable values that I stand for that I wanted to find out from South Africans up front. If we agree on 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 uh, on, on those core values, and uh, to my surprise, uh, I can tell you when I approached my family for funding, uh, my expectation was that if I have uh, a minimum of half a million um, people behind me, it'll be worth trying. Anything under that, I, I said no. Then I can really feel that South Africans are not really keen on on fixing the country. We were surprised because the project kicked off on the 6th of December to run until the end of February. And as you are aware, in May this year, during the height of the lockdown, I released the final report, 2.4 million submissions. 2.4 million. I mean, I was expect, I was uh, going to be happy with half a million. 2.4 million South Africans says, uh, please start a political party based on, 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 uh, on the five uh, core values. Five core values of non-racial, first one being non-racialism. South Africans want to live in a non-racial society. You cannot uh, undo this God-given uh, status of how God created all of us. People want to live live a normal life, coexist as a non-racial society. People of of this country want a market-driven economy where the private sector is the one that is going to deal with the employment of our people, creating economic activity, not government and the Soviet-style type of of government. People of this country, while we want a non-racial society, we want private sector participation in the economy, we believe... uh, we the most unequal society in the world. We became even more unequal under the new democratic dispensation. Uh, dispensation. So people want to see social uh, justice so that we can close this gap between uh, the poor uh, and, and, and the rich. People of this country want, the, want to see the rule of law. You mentioned the Zondo Commission where we, on a daily basis uh, we are traumatized by the level of corruption that uh, has engulfed our country over the last 26 
politics years. And uh, we're seeing the main perpetrators of this uh, corruption not facing the might of the, of the law. People of this country want uh, electoral reform. They want to be able to elect uh, their public representatives directly, not to be di- elected by, poli- by political parties. Uh, so we had them. And uh, far, further to that, uh, the people engaged us before the launch of the political party wanted us uh, to include uh, two also fundamental core values. They want to see educational revolution. You know, earlier on, and, um, uh, uh, I was listening, I was watching television, and I see Sartu totally responsible, honestly, 90% responsible for, for the destruction of, of our, of our, educo- uh, of our education with 80% of our schools in this country dysfunctional as a result of, of this government. People of this country are saying, uh, we want to see educational uh, revolution. Lastly, ethical leadership, something that you mentioned. You know, honestly, it, it is unacceptable that uh, we, we can really be governed and uh, be led by people that with no total morals. They've got no conscience any longer. And these are the leaders of society. So South Africans are now demanding to have ethical leadership leading this country. Thank you very much for that, Itzad Hamen. I mean, it's quite uh, um, astounding the fact that you are alluding to, well, when you started, you were looking at about half a billion, and this response from South Africans, as you referred to the second Godessa, you got overwhelming support. I mean, 2.4 million uh, and, uh, uh, submissions is quite, it's quite substantial uh, in the greater scheme of things for a party that has just started. But also concur with you or perhaps maybe, you know, uh, agree with some of the basic principles that you would put forward. I mean, non-racialism, we all agree that, that it's, it's a no, it's a non-issue. We don't have to debate that. Yeah, um, market-driven economy. I think this is perhaps maybe something that you need to perhaps unpack further because this is the probably one of the biggest challenge facing this country because you know, um, the fact that there's almost like a misunderstanding of what the role of the state is the role of the state an enabler or to drive, you know, or to, to create jobs because every single conversation that you have had, you, you know, during the previous administration, even the current administration, you, you don't really get a sense as to what the role of the private sector is in relation to, uh, you know, uh, 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 economy, particularly job creation. I mean, that's something that perhaps maybe we need to uh, take forward. I mean, the role of um, social justice that you've pointed out, the rule of law that you've pointed out, electoral reforms that you've pointed out, and the 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 reform educations, these are big projects um, that you have envisaged. Um, you know, perhaps maybe let's just go back and reflect on the second one that you mentioned, which is the market-driven economy. How do you envisage, you know, putting that message across? Because, I mean, the, the current state is that the, 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 almost like a confusion. We don't get to know whether, what the role of the state is. The, is the state a catalyst or is the state an employer? What, what your view and how do you, how do you envisage to change the status quo? 
Well, uh, the state has got to be an enabler, it's got to be a catalyst, not uh, to be the, the employer. Yes, you've got to employ people who run government, but the government cannot really be the one driving the economy. The economy has got to be driven by the private sector, in particular SMMEs. Uh, big businesses can take care of uh, themselves. Uh, let me tell you something really very strange that I observed this afternoon watching television and it's been, been discussed the last few days. Really quite weird. I don't know if these people, this government uh, believe, uh, I think they believe that we are stupid or dumb or some sort. You can imagine tomorrow the government is calling for for a strike. That people mustn't come to work and they're going to strike. Have you heard of something like that anyway in, in the world where government is actually calling on, on, on people to, to, to go on strike, including actually even coming to work for government? So tomorrow we're expecting a massive strike by by government. I mean, it is in in a country where you've just mentioned we had what ten and a half million unemployed South Africans, they just under forty percent unemployment uh, before COVID. Now we added another two point two million on top of that. We are we are expecting you listen to analysts, you listen to uh, national treasury, uh, uh, everyone. We are expecting to lose another 4 million uh, the people by end of this year. So basically what that says, that by end of this year, South Africa is going to sit uh, with more unemployed people than those employed. I mean, I don't want to live in a society like this, but unfortunately it's, it is a reality. Now, when you've got labor, which is part of government, because uh, COSATU is, is government of this country, they are, we look at majority of, 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 of cabinet ministers, majority of, uh, of, of uh, members of parliament are COSATU people. So, but they are the ones who are calling for a strike. On what basis were they supposed to be working with their own, with, with, uh, with their own government to, to, to ensure that we can allow the private sector to employ our people? They destroyed small businesses, particularly small black business over the, 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 uh, the, the years. You know, I grew up in an environment where there was massive uh, economic activities in, in the townships and villages during the apartheid days when the apartheid government did not allow us uh, as black people to run business. But there was activity because we, we made it because we had no government uh, working uh, with us. We had actually at the time government which was working against us. But look at the activity. I grew up when I went to go and buy meat. I went to go and buy meat from Mr. Maslang. When I went to go and buy the, uh, the bread, I went to Mr. Maponya's supermarket. Today, you go into the townships, totally disseminated uh, the small uh, businesses in, in, in the townships. The only thing that this government has allowed to, to prevail in the townships are drugs. They've opened our borders, allowed the international crime uh, syndicates uh, to bring drugs into our community, destroy our youth. And and what happens in the process? You destroy families because uh, if you look going to the townships, going to into the villages, you know, you and I uh, in in uh, in areas where we live, we are not directly impacted by this criminality that's happening in in, in our country. And uh, our people are, are looking for work. So who's most affected are the black youth 
because uh, they need to really be employed by someone. We failed to give them the education through SAC 2, which is also driving this uh, much uh, tomorrow. When they're supposed to be really focusing on making sure that they, they, they bring proper education to our, to, our, to our kids. We fail them not to give them employment opportunities. You give them drugs. Drugs that are destroying their, their lives and destroy families in, in, in the process. What we are saying as Action SA, and I've made it clear, unapologetic, no labor union will determine or veto our economic policy. We don't want any relationship, direct relationship with, uh, with, uh, with the labor unions. Labor, un- labor, they've got a crucial role to play. We respect them. They've got a constitutional right to be there. But we'll treat them like we treat other so, uh, 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 civic organizations. They will not have a veto on, on, on our economic policies so that we allow the private sector to, to employ our people. As long as, uh, Nimrod, you want to really work for Mashaba and you and Mashaba are prepared to, uh, to, uh, to transact, no one should, no labor union should actually come in, in between you. I couldn't agree with you. Thank you very much for that. I actually like the idea of the contradiction that you have noticed, uh, based on the observation where in, uh, uh, you know, some of the, you know, some of the cabinet members are obviously brought in from, you know, some of the, some of the unions and the same unions are, uh, you know, propagating for the strike, which means you, you, you're striking against oneself. Uh, people have voted you in to provide solutions and, if you cannot provide a solution, what sort of messaging are you are you putting forward? In any case, uh, we're going to take a break in the next uh, couple of seconds. But before you come back, uh, when when you come back, on, I want you to reflect a little bit more in terms of the turnaround plan, particularly from the criminal justice point of view, because this show we're trying to see the extent to which um, the turnaround or some of the political um, uh, incidences have a bearing on. On, on market forces or have a bearing on, on, on the public, on, on the positive sentiments, be it private or public sentiments in addition to economic recovery. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to the second day of the show. It is now 25 to 7. I'm joined on, on, on the line by the founder of Action SA, uh, Mr. Hemin Mashaba. Before we have the break, the question that I wanted him to reflect on is, is the criminal justice. Um, my, my thought process or anybody that really you know, uh, has a bit of gray matter and, and, and quite keen to see the change is the fact that, you know, criminal justice, if it's perceived to be working, it has the knock-on effect in terms of, you know, building the public and private confidence um, in an economy that is driven by private sector intervention or private sector role. It is important that they, they we create a positive vibe and a positive impression that criminal justice is working because that has to do with the rule of law. Um, but, you know, Hamid, just take me through your, your, your thinking here. I know in the, in the city of Johannesburg, you, you, you have uncovered a lot of corruption and maladministration. How, how deep is corruption? And to what extent do you think, you know, the current high profile arrest I'm beginning to restore the, the public and business confidence as a key driver to restoring 
um, you know, uh, uh, investment in, in the country. Look, we've not really started uh, high-profile uh, uh, prosecutions as yet. Um, I'm sure we've all listened over the last, what, 18 months or so to the Zondo Commission, uh, and we started uh, seeing some arrest uh, this uh, past uh, week or so. We're watching. I'm, cautious, uh, uh, I'm optimistically cautious around uh, this particular matter because uh, we need to see a high-profile prosecution. And the thing is, uh, arrest is one thing when it comes to the rule of law than final prosecution. If uh, uh, our experience uh, over the last uh, 15 years or so, our prosecutorial um, track record has been really quite uh, bad that, uh, and deliberate, uh, deliberately so, where obviously uh, the people get away with, with murder because uh, unfortunately once uh, politicians capture a criminal justice system in a country, that country is gone. And that is precisely what's really happening in our country with, with our with our rule of law. law. We fortunately still have our courts, and I think as South Africans, we've got to be very, very careful to ensure that our courts uh, remain independent. But obviously, the courts can only operate when they have the prosecutors who present credible uh, cases to them. But uh, what has recently been happening is that uh, our prosecutorial um, uh, uh, structures have actually been failing this this country, and um, yeah. So I think without the rule of law, honestly, I have no hope for for our country. That is why we we don't have time on our side. You mentioned the economy being in in ICU without any doubt, and we got we were uh, on a stretcher to be uh, wheeled into the into the. Um, into the ICU prior COVID. And now by the time COVID, we are already now in, in ICU and we are in ICU right now and no plans whatsoever to, uh, to get this patient, um, uh, uh, to work again. We're actually digging even deeper, uh, uh, really burying the economy of this country. So we don't have time on our side. You mentioned, uh, uh, that, um, our, our debt to GDP ratios will be over 100% in 2025. I can tell you, I don't think we'll, we'll even really get there. I always tell people, I think I'm joking that at the rate at which uh, these hyenas are stealing at the moment, by 2024, uh, this, uh, this, the Republic of South Africa won't even have uh, a teaspoon left because these guys are so brazen in, in, in the, in the looting. They don't see anything wrong. In fact, they believe, um, COVID-19 was their biggest opportunity. So they're looking for another opportunity to go to the hyenas because we can't get, uh, sorry, to, to the machonisos because we, we can't South Africa right now because of junk status. We can't go in and get money from credible institutions. So we've got to go to the, the, the 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 markets to the loans we've got to go to the loan sharks for us to get uh, the money and the thing is unfortunately under the current government even that money coming from the loan sharks is not going to go into 
into programs to relegate us out of poverty, to drive the economy, to invest in our infrastructure. They're going to see this money coming in from the loan shells as another opportunity to steal because they know they won't have any consequences. And eventually, the country will uh, will collapse. Uh, you know, Zimbabwe will be like a Sunday school picnic if South Africa collapses because of the sheer number and volume of South Africa. If you look at our infrastructure, um, the way it's been destroyed, I mean, I can give you an example of our rail network. You know, 1994, when we took over the government, we had a functional railway system where you can go to Soweto with a train, you'll be safe. Go and look at the, the train network. We're still using trains bought by uh, by HFF route. You know, they, you know, you look at our infrastructure backlog. Just the city of Johannesburg, when I took over within six months, I did a study. Discovered we've got 170 billion rands of infrastructure backlog. Just in the city of Johannesburg. The city of Johannesburg was the epicenter of the Gupta um, uh, state capture. We're talking about state capture at the national level, but the city of Johannesburg was, was the epicenter of this because the Guptas had managed um, to capture uh, the, uh, the, the the previous mayor and the current one. They were the the engineers of of of, of uh, the facilitation. Because uh, to tell you, I mean, right now it's known the current mayor of the city of Johannesburg, who used to serve as the MMC of, of finance at the time, he had a he had a company involved with one of the Gupta companies. His only client was the Guptas to manage the relationship between the business that the Guptas were doing with the city of Johannesburg, and he was getting 10% of that. I mean, you can imagine uh, the, uh, the, the, the kind of deep corruption. Right now, uh, the the Centen, the um, that land next to Centen uh, Station, you know, that the, the land used to belong to the city of Johannesburg. It's the most expensive prime piece of real estate in the continent of Africa. That uh, piece of land uh, was donated um, to, um, by the city of Johannesburg to the Guptas, and we can't get it back. They did not pay a cent, including actually giving them the, the rights not to pay for services. When you and I and people also were to expect that to really pay for services, the Guptas given a piece of prime that, that land. We've lost it today because what they did they were given the land with the with the with the title deed and says pay us the day when when you you've got money, and what they did went out into the market raised 420 million rands from investors with this title deed and giving it to 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 the investors as as a as guarantee, and what happened to the 420? Have you seen anything any building coming up? Except uh, the 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 how train uh, the station where they are being paid even today paid rental uh, they 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 uh, the, the by 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 all everybody else, but they've lost uh, the uh, the city of Johannesburg has lost that piece of land. I can give you so many cases and these issues these cases we reported them we've given files uh, to to the to the walks or to the NPA. Why there's no prosecution? Cases as clear as daylight. And now so tell me, do you, ex- do you expect, now do you expect the country to function? Do you expect, um, to, uh, to anyone to invest in an environment like this? Could this be the reason why, Pesh, maybe you as an action SA 
are pursuing the private prosecution. Uh, the impression I'm getting from what you've um, alluded to in terms of how the Guptas um, was, you know, was able to lend their hands on the prime land uh, in, in, in the city of Johannesburg, which was pretty much donated. You know, are you then suggesting that the private prosecution route could somehow um, address some of the you know, the procedural limitations that you have seen from an NPA as an entity which has failed to prosecute uh, without fear of failure? Well, uh, I don't think uh, we, we've got an option because, uh, unfortunately, until uh, we remove the current government through a constitutional uh, um, mechanism, and unfortunately that can only happen in 2024. That's why I've... Uh, been calling for for early elections because the country is in a crisis. It's in an intensive care unit. Any reasonable uh, politician or someone who loved their country will call for 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 early elections because the country is in a in a state of paralysis. And the only way you you can get the country out of this hole, you need a government uh, with a new mandate and new drastic economic recovery plans. Because this other this government will continue on 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 stealing. So right now we don't have any option than to to uh, to follow the private prosecution route. Our right now, as I'm talking to you, our legal team is preparing documents uh, to to uh, to now call upon uh, the NPA to prosecute these cases. If not, then uh, give us a probably uh, uh, certificates so that uh, if they believe they don't have case, they don't a case, then uh, to give it to the uh, to, for private prosecution because the constitution does allow. Now you can imagine now for us as 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 South Africans as private citizens, we still now have to now spend money on lawyers to get government to do what is what uh, we are paying them to really do. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, all things be equal because clearly the private prosecution route um, ordinarily that takes a lot of time, but. But, and I hear your your plight and your 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 uh, frustration around the you know the elections that you are calling for, which means obviously come not earlier. But you know the reality is that that that's something that may not happen today or tomorrow. But in the economic front, um, you know because of the lockdown and the kind of economic pressure that we are experiencing. Um, you know, needless to say, some of the issues that you've raised are quite pertinent and are, are noble and are, everybody can, can, can concur, can concur with you based on the kind of frustration that you're experiencing. But if you were given an opportunity to unlock the economy, you know, because what are the specific things that you do firstly to address, you know, in terms of the economy recovery plan, the 2.2 million jobs that were lost, before um, that were lost during the, the COVID-19. And of course, let alone thinking about others, but the, the preoccupation which ordinary South Africans are yearning and desperate for is the ability for the state or any other entity to promote job creation. From what you said as Action SA, what would be the, the critical things that you need, that you can focus on that could really make a difference in terms of job creation? Look, I think you, you can't do one thing. It's, it's, it's not possible. You've got to deal with this matters 
and uh, uh, at all fronts, and you 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 have to do them uh, run them concurrently. Firstly, you've got to close your borders um, to illegal um, uh, people coming into the country. Allow people to come into the country, encourage them to come into the country, but they must come here legally. And when they are here, they must um, uh, respect our where there's uh, counterfeit goods, billions of uh, counterfeit goods are brought into the country where they're destroying legal businesses in South Africa. Because once you do that, you can close out your, your borders, uh, make sure that you control people who are here, and those who qualify to be South African, they can be in South Africa. Those who don't, they don't. Now, what happens is, and you stop this counterfeit goods coming from we don't know where. You can imagine the, the potential that you can unleash in, in our communities, in, 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 in our townships, in our villages, because then businesses will be run properly by South Africans uh, who employ our own people, because all these people who are here, majority of them, were with no documentations whatsoever. They don't employ our people. They, br- they bring in billions of counterfeit goods. They were uh, South African businesses cannot really com- com- uh, compete with them. That's, where, that's one of the things. You've got to relax uh, this draconian labor laws. You've got to, to. We cannot allow a situation where um, uh, the labor de- decides uh, uh, certain things. That's why I, was, I said earlier on, we will never allow, uh, should not allow his government allow uh, labor unions to dictate uh, your 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 economic uh, policies. You've got to get our criminal justice system to work so that uh, there are consequences for anyone breaking the law, from the president of the country to the cleaner. Anyone who breaks the law, the law in South Africa, there has to really be consequences. Because if you don't do that, if you don't have the rule of law, forget about building an economy. Because you can't build an economy in an environment of of, of the current chaos that we are, we are seeing in, in in our country. You know, every day we we hear the president, we hear the, 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 the senior political leaders talking about gender-based based violence. Um, I'm sure, I don't know if you listened to me yesterday, Yesterday, one of the decisions uh, that Action SA uh, took over the, the weekend, um, because last week I was in Leidenberg, a female police officer being sexually harassed by the station commander. When she reports this matter, instead of seeing justice, she kidnapped, um, d- d- dropped for dead in the middle of the night, in the middle of the bush. She survived only God knows. And now... Right now, instead of getting the attention, she's being victimized and her life is in danger. That's why we've decided as SNSA, we will be taking this matter up within the next day or two. Um, uh, our criminal justice system, we've got to call it to order to protect this woman. And this matter, the president of the country brought it to his attention. The minister of police, the commissioner of the police, the provincial commissioner of the police, they are aware about this particular case. So you can imagine, if you don't protect um, police women officers from sexual harassment uh, by, 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 by the employer, then, then, uh, then, then the country countries in, in a big, big mess. And we definitely are in a, in a big mess. Because then tell me, how is an ordinary woman out there is going to be protected? When the women, police officers who are supposed to protect us are, are, are being sexually harassed by, by their bosses in the police force. 
And when they, they, they raise this issue, they are, they are being victimized, including obviously being threatened to be killed. Because obviously this kidnapping, how she survived because she was left to die a slow death. Tight, uh, close, I mean, get. <laughs> and up to, to, there's some that just happened recently. I'm not talking about some that happened um, during uh, the HF. This is some that happened few weeks ago in, in this country of South Africa. When well, every day we, we see the president of this country can stand in front of the nation, talk about uh, the, uh, being against uh, gender-based violence. Sure, that's, a, that's a quite, quite scary. Uh, you know, have raised quite a number of pertinent issues which uh, would take us pretty much the whole day to to, to complex um, issues. I mean, um, the, the issue of the borders, you, you, you're propagating for the close of the borders. Um, that has its own, you know, political ramification. You're talking about the management of counterfeit goods, which, which obviously take away, you know, a substantial income from the state, um, because most of these goods are not declared. Uh, you're talking about the realization of um, labor laws, um, you know, to, to enable employed employee to have a contractual obligation without a third party. You know, you're talking about the criminal justice and, and, and the extent to which the criminal justice ought to be perceived to be, um, to be transparent and, and obviously following the rule of law, uh, which earlier you've alluded to the fact that there is not enough confidence around the criminal justice. Maybe let me, let's take back, as we're wrapping up, um, the, the, the closing of the borders. How would you go about closing of the porous border? Because South Africa's, um, you know, economic standing is intertwined with that of the, the, the region. So at least that's the dominant um, narrative. How would you go about addressing the, the, the borders? Because the Zimbabweans are here because, you know, life has just been hell for most of them. And hence they're here. Closing the borders, is that a, a solution in the long term? Well, uh, look, if, if uh, uh, South Africans uh, uh, want to live uh, in chaos and anarchy, then open your borders. Then you can't be a country because to be a sovereign country, that means you've got borders. And, and this is not anything unique. Uh, try and go to Botswana, go try and go to, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Zimbabwe. Zimbabweans actually right now, the, some uh, people can't go there even with a, with a valid passport. You can't go in, in, in Zimbabwe because there are sovereign countries. They decide who comes in and out of their own country. So why should South Africa be the only country on earth where people are saying our borders must be open? Because there isn't any country anywhere in the world that is sovereign, that allows people to come into that country without having the documentation. So what is it that South Africa is trying to, to achieve? Because uh, the only thing we can achieve is anarchy, we, we, uh, unemployment, uh, the levels of crime, drug syndicates are taking advantage of um, uh, our approach. When I talk about the closing of borders, it disclose borders so that there's control like it, everywhere else in, in the world. Uh, for me to really go out and go to Pakistan, uh, I don't just really need a passport. I need a visa. And you can imagine how difficult it is to really get a, uh, a visa in, in Pakistan. But how many Pakistanis are here with no documentation? 
How did they get to South Africa from Pakistan, from Afghanistan? How did they get it? We had creature from uh, from the Czech Republic. How did he get here? We are now feeding him. It's in our in our prison. He's been he's wanted in in his own uh, country. We are feeding him. In the meantime, we are unable to feed uh, our kids and the families here in Alexander. Our the creature is in. In, in our prison, three meals a day, I'm sure I'm convinced it must be having at television, cell phones, and everything. <laughs> in the meantime, we don't, we can't feed children in Alexander. This is the man who's, who's wanted uh, by, 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 by his own country. I can tell you, we take over as action as a, within a month, Czech, the uh, creature will be put into the plane, uh, let it be the Czech Republic. Public's problem, not South African problem. The money that we used to feed him, then let me to, let's feed our own uh, people. Why you ask yourself, what, what do the Pakistanis? What are they doing in South Africa without papers? Afghanistan. I really marvel at your passion as as a patriotic South African on some of these pertinent issues. We literally have about three minutes to wrap up, but perhaps maybe you could give us a heads up as to what has been your response uh, when you engage with different uh, government structures on these issues that are very glaring. Is there reception? Is there an audience? Is there a plan? What would you say um, is actually happening in trying to address some of these issues that you have alluded to? It's hostile. Um, the uh, they, they don't want South Africans to be aware about this. You, re- you remember on the 1st of December 2016 when I raised this whole issue of uh, lawlessness and um, too many uh, undocumented people in the city of Johannesburg. When as a city we're sitting with over 300,000 uh, of our own people on the housing list. And I looked at uh, RDP houses occupied by undocumented foreign nationals, um, the, the city-owned properties uh, where the city builds uh, affordable accommodation to accommodate South Africa. Africa. You know, so when I raise this issue, the current government is the one. Uh, the, the Minister of uh, Home, Home Affairs, which was or is responsible for this mess, he's the one calling for me to be investigated by the Human Rights Commission. Fortunately enough, uh, uh, I stood my ground and uh, allowed the Human Rights Commission to, to, to really look into the matter and only to find uh, the problem lies with the South African government, in particular Home Affairs. It's not lying with, uh, with, our, with our foreign nationals. The problem is the South African government that's allowing this criminality to uh, continue. And unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there, uh, Mr. Mashaba. If you've just joined us, I've had a very uh, fascinating and thought-provoking conversation with the founder of Action SA, Ms. Hemen Mashaba, really giving us blow by blow thoughts in terms of how he, he, he intends to take the country forward through, through, through the new vehicle, which has recently launched, uh, i.e., Action essay. Mr. Shaba, once again, thank you very much for your time. I wish we had more time to go through some of the very uh, important uh, issues of national importance that you have put forward. Perhaps maybe we may have to make some time in the future to go through some of, the, some of these issues. Thank you very much and I appreciate the opportunity and I'm available. I'm at your service.
Thank you, sir. There you are. We had a very, uh, you had it, uh, that's a, um, you know, thought, uh, provoking issues from the founder, uh, of Action SA, Mr. Hemin Mashaba, really giving us uh, his view, views about some of the pertinent issues that he would want to push forward, um, in an attempt to, to change or drive the, the South African economic recovery. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, once again, let's do it again next week. Um, appreciate your audience. Um, until again, have a good one and good evening.